Welcome back to the Into Athletics podcast. This is your host, Adrian Rangel, and uh, we got a, a really special episode right now. Um, I actually have never met this next guest in person, but uh, it's kind of, uh, she was introduced to me by my uh, father's uh, girlfriend. Uh, they, they were really good friends growing up. Um, I got Polly here with me, and um, Polly is a, um, is a trainer. She's going to tell you a little bit more about, you know, her background and things like that. But uh, what 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 would she do? Uh, what she does is um, she works with uh, a multiple variety of people, whether that be athletes, um, adults, things like that. And she'll get into that. But uh, Polly, how are you? I'm great. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, it's great to have you on. Um, I know that my, my father's girlfriend said, has said really, really good things about you, and I've been following you on your page, and it's up. Uh, get up and get moving, right? Get, get up, up, keep, get up moving. keep moving. Get up, keep moving is her Instagram tag, so be sure to follow that. Uh, we'll go over that again in a second, but um, but yeah, absolutely. So so how you been? How, how you handling all this all this COVID-19 stuff right now? Oh, it's a, it's a new world for sure. And uh, I think trainers everywhere are feeling um, the challenge of how to maintain relationships with clients and keep busy and earn an income when everything dried up instantly. And uh, luckily the, the facilities where I was working, um, a couple of places stepped up and paid us going forward for several months for with the um, at the rate that we were we were um, earning and um, that's not going to go on forever but in the meantime it's been just this week already it's only Monday but um, I've got a whole a whole uh, week worth of, of um, virtual sessions set up on zoom and um, doing one-on-ones last week I was doing group sessions just to let people become acclimated. And uh, just for fun and to see how it felt. And uh, it looks like it's going to work. Zoom has been really popular, too. So, I mean, I, I haven't been using Zoom, and maybe I should, but depending on how long this lasts. But, but again, I mean, I know a lot of people has been, been using Zoom. So, I mean, that's awesome. You've been able to carry that over into and continue to work with your clients. Yeah, yeah. So it's that's wor- awesome. It's working, yeah. I think. And as long as yeah. people feel continue to feel comfortable about it, I think they, people get scared because Zoom has had some... Um, some hacks and some, some some security issues, but I think they're ironing that all out. And for our purposes, you know, we're not government, we're not high security, anything, you know. So I don't think anybody's going to care to hack us. I think we'll be right, fine. Right. Right. So. so so tell the audience um, a little a little bit about yourself, your background, um, what you used to do, what you went to college for, and how it kind of adapted into the you know how you got into personal training and fitness and and things like that so uh tell tell the audience a little bit about your background sure um well um growing up i uh i have to tell you my age i'm 66 years old i was born in 1953 so i was a post-war world war ii baby and growing up as a a female in a family where um you know my parents were old-fashioned and they they felt like i was going to be a mom and i didn't need to do uh, I didn't even know need to go to college, which I I did do, but the um, there was no encouragement to be in, to be athletic, to do anything other than sew and read and cook and uh, babysit, which I did for my five young, younger siblings. And then um, uh, fast forward to after college, I was an art major. Um, I thought 
all athletes were stupid. I thought all jocks were stupid. <laughs> I really did. As yeah, an we had a major, conversation a little bit yesterday and she know. said that and I was dying laughing. I really uh, did. I mean, I, I thought football players were dummies and I just had no interest in any of that. I was an artist mm. and, you know, hippie art major. And so that was in the 70s. And it was a cool time to be an art major. It was great. And then um, after that, I, I don't know exactly what it was that... Um, hit the switch. I, I, maybe I do. It was um, during the time that I was um, that I was just after college and married. Uh, I started running and found out I was a pretty good runner. And um, then I started awesome. racing. Found out I was a pretty pretty fast runner. And then um, at the same time, I was gardening, digging holes, riding bikes with children on the bikes. And and I have six kids. So I just kept riding those bikes with the heavy kid on the back. And little by little, I was realizing that I was good at some physical things. And right. I enjoyed being outside. I enjoyed lifting trees and digging holes and um, getting strong. And I, But I had no idea. I had never been in a gym in my life. And I thought, right. You know, this is just how you live. You just move your body around and do stuff that's fun, which is really what it's all about. Right. Right. And then um, it evolved into taking a, a spin certification, taking a Pilates certification. And over a period of time after the age of 50, I was about 53 when I started this journey after getting divorced of really making an effort to turn what I liked doing, all that lifting and riding and, and moving my body around. I took 12 years of ballet classes while I was raising my kids and I was a terrible ballerina, but the all of the science of the way the human body moves began to really appeal to me. So I ended up getting all these sub-certifications and then the personal training certification. So that's going back over about 12 years ago. And, uh, and since then it's been personal training and, um, getting more so, certifications. So let the, so you were 50, how old were you when you got your certification for personal training? I'm going to say 12 years ago, I'm 66 now. So I was 54. And, uh, that's I, amazing. Yeah. So, um, you know, but you never stop learning your entire life. And if you find that something's interesting, go for it. And, um, I had no idea that I was so interested in the science of exercise physiology and, and I, I think I know, we talked about this too yesterday, that realizing that knowing science is only part of it, understanding the science of anatomy and how the body moves and the geometry of the human body is only a really a fraction of what you right. need to know when you're working with clients at every age, whether they're young athletes or older people who may have been athletes with injuries and then and dealing with Fear is the biggest obstacle that everybody has. So psychology, the, the, the ability to communicate and, and use the knowledge of, of just getting along with people and understanding what, what people need and what they're saying under the surface and how they are expressing their needs and goals and fears, that's what has brought me to where I am now. And I, I feel as though I'm in a, a good place. I feel as though I'm in a successful place, maybe not financially, but in terms of fulfillment, it's a it's a great job. I love doing this. You make happy money. Is what they call it. Yeah, that. it's true. You make happy money. It yeah. is true. So, um, I'm trying to. I want to rewind a little bit because, you know, you started the this personal training industry. You started in this personal training industry 12 years ago, in which it was really booming then. So we all know, like even you know, I graduated in 2006, and fitness was fitness. It was just, you know, people out there lifting, you know, lifting heavy, you know, there wasn't M muscle heads. It was, yeah. yeah, just a bunch of meatheads, you know, I was trying to be one of those. So, um, <laughs> so, you know, you're in the 
almost prime time of where people were really getting the exercise physiology background and, and really getting in depth in, into the into the fitness um, industry. And was there any struggles for you going through there? Like, um, let, let's just be real, because now, you know, you were hitting prime time of the fitness industry or being becoming a personal trainer, but not only that, um, you were 54 years old. Um, how did, did you go any through through any challenges or anything like that in regards to people accepting you um, or, or anything? I think it it works to my advantage, to be honest. I I think that um, most of the people that I've encountered in the places and the facilities where I have worked are people who already have the wherewithal to belong to these facilities. So they have the financial ability to support a membership and to buy packages of personal training. So, which means that they were already in my demographic. They were mostly in my demographic or even older than me. So they had money. They had, they physically went and got in the door of the place. And then when they met me, they'd see me working with a client. They'd say, hey, you know, I was also, I created a, 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 um, a class a, uh, based on kind of everything that I knew from ballet and yoga and Pilates. So people were taking this class that I was calling Dynamic Core, and I was getting clients from that. So it was, I really felt as though my age, you know, I'm not in my 20s or 30s. I am relatable to women with children. I'm relatable to men and women who have injuries. I have a lot of injuries, and mm-hmm. um, and I, I rehab them all with movement and strength training. Um, you know, so when people see that, wow, this is an older person, they and they don't know my age until I tell them because I feel as though being fit and strong helps you look younger. You move mm-hmm. around in a more youthful way. If they don't look up too close to my face, they don't know how old I am, and um, the. Uh, so I think that, that that part of it hasn't really been a challenge. I, I, do, I do really feel like that's helped in a way. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, there was, I forget the name of the, um, the Olympic runner who had, he, he came in first in whatever the event was. It was the, pre, the previous to the last Summer Olympics. And he did whatever it was he did on the track. And his coach barreled her way through the crowds to get down to him. And, and the the gatekeepers weren't letting her to him because she was this little white-haired grandma. She was this grandma-looking person. She had her ID tag on, but they were like, no, sorry, you can't go and see this athlete, no. And she was like, I'm his coach. So she was she was in her 70s. So, um, That's amazing. Yeah, so, I mean, I started lifting, and I'm realizing that my, my winning lift in the powerlifting competition last year isn't even where this 80-year-old woman's oh, We are definitely going to talk about some of that because yeah. she competed in an organization that I competed in, and it is awesome. Yeah. Um, so, yeah I don't want to jump to that so quickly. but No, it, that's okay. That's okay. We'll talk cool. about that, but that's so awesome. It's, it's, been, it's been good in, ter- in terms of my ne- age. You nailed it because it's like people don't understand that you, you – just because of your age and things like that, man, gosh, you're, you are so relatable to women who've had kids, women who, um, maybe are going through a, a time in their life where that you went through, you were doing something for your career and now you want to do something different and you love it. Like, like we just said at the beginning, you're making happy money now. I mean, you know, and that, that's so I let's, I'm, I mean, I, I can't relate to that. I can't, I'm not there. I'm, I'm still, you know, in the trenches every single day, you know, learning and, and doing my thing, trying to run a business and stuff. So um, you nailed it. And people don't, and sometimes trainers forget, you know, you, you have to be relatable to some of the people. I mean, you have to kind of step back. You have to think, hey, this is, um, 
it's not necessarily the way you were brought up or, or, or something like that. You know, it, it's, it's, you nailed it. I love that. And, um, it's, it's cool to see that you didn't even have to really go through, I guess, I, I mean, I guess there were some issues or some, I don't know, everybody goes through something when they're in this industry, but, um, it's pretty cool that people accepted you and, and, you know, you know, with, you I know, like, I like being the old chick. I really do. I mean, I, <laughs> I really do. I, people, I mean, they often, it makes me very happy to think that they don't know how old I am and then they are surprised and then they don't know I have six kids and 10 grandkids and they're surprised. So that's all very flattering. And um, so I have, you know, it's all, it, it pumps me up to know that people admire what I've been doing physically for myself, for my own body. I've had a cycling coach and I, I've started racing my bike right around the same time that I was getting the, um, into the personal training and all the other certifications. And um and I started, you know, coming in the top 10 in bike races. And fortunately for me, one of my kids was a professional cyclist already at that time. And he pushed me into it because I was riding a lot with a, with a, with a group and right. doing well. And he just kept saying, mom, you got to race. Mom, you got to race. Come on, you got to do this. You got to do this and get a better bike. And I did. And I started racing my bike. I never in a million years thought I would do that. I just liked riding bikes, but I had no clue there was such thing as, you know, being down in the drops and crossing a finish line and standing up with your arms in the air and, you know, people screaming on the sidelines. It was exhilarating and empowering. I got to tell you, it makes my heart pound even now thinking about the races that I was in and the races we watched that my son was in. Those were amazing. But, you know, that kind of thing, that, that empowerment, that feeling of my body can do this. I can wrap my brain around this thing. I never even even remotely thought I would do. Never thought I would be in a powerlifting competition. That so would, did you not? So when you were, I don't mean to cut you off. So I know you know, I keep bringing this up, but it just amazes me because there's such a big gap. You know, it's like you're, you're 12 years ago, you started training. Now, from 54 and prior to 54, what, what, <laughs> what were you doing there? I mean, were you besides, well, raising, I know you talked about raising I mean, you were, kids. I had six kids, so I was pretty busy. But, so um, you weren't in the gym a lot? Never you went to a gym. Never so, once. Wow. Never, so ever. So in that 12-year span... The, the, it, Here's a story. You. Here's a story. So I had drag, I was dragging those kids around everywhere, and I was also painting. I was doing artwork, selling my art, going to art mm -hmm. shows. At the same time, I was learning horticulture, and I was I literally landscaping a three acre garden and landscaping other people's gardens for fun, for my friends. And I so digging and lifting and rocks and wheelbarrows and and dragging hoses and swinging the hose to get the knot out of the hose. You know, all that stuff was physical. And strength training, I was injured a lot while I was doing all that stuff, but I was getting strong. So it wasn't, I was not in a gym, but I was functional training. I was doing stuff that was using all of the big muscle groups, using my core, my back. I was climbing trees, I had a baby in a playpen next to me, and I'd be up in a tree pulling ivy out of the tree. So I was, that was all that physical stuff I was doing, plus the bike riding with a heavy child on the back or a trailer on the back of my bike. So I had no idea that I was doing things that was were making me strong. I did not know. Right. I no idea. And, um, you know, so the evolution started to happen after I realized, as I said, I, I liked riding a bike. So somebody said, hey, why don't you start spinning? Maybe you'd like to get a certification in that. And I learned about heart rate training. I learned about intervals. I learned about high intensity interval training. I learned about um, recovery. I learned, you know, about it, about intensity. So bringing all of that forward, it started with spinning. And I had the ballet background, which then segued into 
into um, Pilates. And then, um, and then the rowing coaching certification was uh, four years ago. And that um, really is, to me, that's a game changer because it's strength and cardio. It's an incredible machine and um, simple, incredible machine and a wonderful protocol for training every athlete at any age. So all of that, I don't know if that's answering the question for no, you. It does. For you no, well. it does. I mean, besides being a person in this position talking about being a trainer, just being a person, just being a woman, just having gone through divorce, which is emotional trauma. Um, luckily, all of my kids are healthy. I haven't suffered any terrible losses in my family. Um, you know, so I haven't, I haven't struggled as much as some other people probably, but you know, we have, we bring into whatever situation we're in the, I hate the word baggage, but we bring this stuff with us. Everybody has Mm. stuff and whether it's physical injuries, whether it's illness, whether it's, you know, things in our families, we bring all this stuff in and then what, you know, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do with that? Like if, if a person has already started going to a gym, that's the first step. They're already there. And that happens to be where I spend a lot of time. So I'm there. And that person may see me. They may see me doing my own workout or they may see me working out with another person and feel like, oh, she looks like she's relatable. She looks like she's pleasant. She smiles, you know, and she looks sort of strong. Um, You know, so that's, I don't know if that's answering your question very well. It does. does. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to know what, I just wanted to know what, you summed it up pretty much saying that, you know, until 54, you're raising your kids. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly what, you know, because you know how some people, I was just an avid go, uh, gym goer every day. I went every day, and that's how they become a trainer. But for you, it seems like it wasn't, you never even went. That, no. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, you're going almost probably, by the way it looks at it, I mean, you, you work your ass off, and, you know, you're probably going a lot now. And that's, that's just amazing to me. But I do what's and, fun. I still just do what I really like. And I, you know, I... I feel like um, I know how to go hard. I try not to go too hard because that's my my usual my mo is when I have something that I'm doing. I try to I, I try not to let myself go overboard. Like when it was gardening, I went overboard, gardening everybody's landscaping everybody's property, and I started an event planning business back in those days, and um, and it just everything everything kind of went snowballed. And I my problem is kind of holding myself back from doing more things. So when I'm training, I really, I really just like to do certain things. I like to row. I like to ride my bike. I love kettlebells. Um, and, you know, like I said before, when you find out that you're sort of good at something, you want to do it more. So, right. and being willing to say, I'll take a chance on that. That looks a little scary, but hey, I've never tried it. So why don't I give that a shot? If somebody thinks it's a good idea for me to race my bike, maybe I should just give that a shot. You know, or try lifting up these heavy barbells with some good mechanics, and maybe you'll find out how strong you are. Right. So. Yeah, and it's hard too because um, sometimes it's hard to get people introduced to kettlebells and different lifts and, and things like that. So, Definitely. Um, so, how are you now? I know we just talked about at the beginning about the Zoom. How are you now preparing your clients during this COVID nineteen? Um, Besides Zoom, I know on your Instagram page, you are going through a lot of movements using rags and using the sheets <laughs> tied up and th- yeah. stuff like that, which is awesome. Um, but how That's otherwise true. are you able to keep those consistent? Because I know the last guest that I had on the podcast was mentioning that sometimes um, that Zoom, the attendance has a tendency to drop. Um, how, how is that working out for you? 
Well, I, as I said, I, I, this is my first real week on it. Prior to this, it was group sessions where I introduced my clients. I sent them all emails. I told them some things I might want to gather from home, um, like uh, two small washcloths to use for sliders. That's To me, the most important pieces of equipment in a gym are the simplest. Um, kettlebells are great. They're simple. They're ancient. They're a round ball with a handle on it. Sliders are great because they'll force you back into your heels to turn your glutes on, you know, get you into a ready position so you're not pushing your knees forward and standing on the fronts of your feet when you're going to lift some weight. I mean, all of these simple tools, TRX is one of my favorites, um, but not, you know, and I own one, but most of my clients don't. So I devised a way to knot sheets and throw them over a door and hold on to the two sheets and you can use them for inverted rows. You can turn them around and do push-ups. I knotted them at the bottom and did single leg, did um, uh, unilateral, did split squats with one foot on the knot on the bottom right. of the sheet. So I've demonstrated all that in my um, in my Instagram. And um, I also went to the Y where I work, the local Y in Red Bank, and did a whole bunch of tutorials for two hours using household equipment, like two gallon jugs. I mean, they're only eight pounds, which means, and you were talking about this in your last interview, because most people don't have, we happen to have up to a 70 pound kettlebell in our house, but even that's not enough for me to train 70% of my one rep max in a deadlift, right? So that means that you need to do more repetitions and be smart about your increased number of reps to try to get to where, to, to failure, to get to the end of a set to failure so that you have really work those muscles that you need to continue to work on. So when you get back to the gym, if you have a sport or if you're looking to, to go back to lifting heavy, that you've been able to, you know, to continue to, to stress those muscles. But for my clients, they are just looking to be mentally active, to be, to be mentally and physically engaged and have a good time. So I think they're, they're all finding out that with a couple of eight pound gallon jugs, they can do um, you know, a lunge row, a bent over row. They can do, um, we can do tons of stuff on a set of stairs, steps, literally, double, two steps at a time, single leg deadlifts on steps, um, step downs, Resi- little resistance bands, which I, I you, know, you can't really fake those, so you have to buy them, but, or if people have TheraBands at home doing um, abduction exercises, side shuffles, you know, bear crawls on the floor. I mean, there's there's a lot you can do without a ton of equipment. Unless you're trying to stay really, really, really strong. And then we need to get smart into, you know, how do we find some heavy things to lift up, whether it's mulch bags or, or potting soil bags outside or concrete planters, which I've talked about with certain people, you know, being smart about lifting things up because that's what a deadlift is. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, um, it's going to, as trainers, we're going to have to, our, our imagination is going to have to come out. We're going to have to think about ways um, how can I get this, especially for me, because I'm working with teenagers. Yeah, I was going to ask you about what, do, I mean, this is a reverse interview, but what are you doing with your kids? You send them. So what happens is I have a app called Train Heroic and Train Heroic allows me to put links to YouTube videos or me performing the exercises. And whenever I program for them, they, most of the athletes that I have in here, the majority of them know how to use that app. And before they do the exercises, one of their jobs is to do is to look at the, um, the video. And they click the link, they watch the video, and this is how you do the exercise. So it's just another tool for remote coaching. So um, it'd be really difficult as far as a Zoom for me with a lot of my teens. I probably could make it happen. 
But as of right now, um, they, I can see when they log into this software. I can see when they complete it. I get an email. I get a notification throughout the app. That oh, tells that's me, cool. Yeah, so, you know, that Polly submitted her program and she did it today. And um, it gives them a readiness score. It gives them how long it took them to do the program. And it also does an, an um, it's like a, a scale from z- 1 to 10 in regards to how hard it was, one, two, three, four, five, or whatever okay. they want to rate it at. So, um, so And they're yeah. motivated because they're coming back into a sport when this is over. Yeah, most of them are. And I think we had to have that discussion even prior to all this happening because I think we all had an idea that that was happening. We had at least a week, a week and a half uh, to two weeks to prepare mm-hmm. um, for some of us anyway. And so we had the discussion of, I'm going to program for you you know how to use the app, it's going to be your job to get it done. Now, I have their personal phone numbers. I can contact them through the app. So that's my job as coach is to hold them accountable. So if I don't see them do three days in a row, then I'm going to give them a a call or a text or contact them through the app and say, hey, that's... You got a couple. You're a couple days behind. Yeah, that works for you perfectly. That's that really is a lot like when I had my the cycling coach. I was training to race, and uh, so I had a schedule, and I I checked in with him verbally once a week, and um, but he sent me my training schedule. So every every day I had well one day of the week usually was like ride your bike to the coffee shop. <laughs> it was like don't ride your bike on that day. But the rest of the time it was you know do these kind of intervals. You know whether they were you know long or whether they were hill sprints or whether you know whatever it was. Um, you know, or, or, or speed play intervals or whatever. I, but he, I have a device on my bike, so it kept me honest. I knew that he was going to see, I'd I'd download the CSV file and he would get that data. He'd get my heart rate, the outside temperature, the elevation that I rode, the the numbers of intervals I did, the intensity number of Watts I produced in every single one of them. So he was crunching those numbers and then he could come back to me and say, okay, look, I saw what happened on Wednesday, you know, whatever. So, um, that's that's for the athlete, and yeah. and that that was my motivation for that. My clients are mostly, one you know one of my athletes, I will say I think of them all as athletes, but because everybody really and if they're training, they're an athlete, whatever it is that they're doing. I, I totally agree with you. Um, so even with my adult classes, I have adult classes in the morning. I, I tell them the same thing. You know, I yeah. call them athletes. I mean. Um, it, a hinge is a hinge, a squat is a squat, a rear exactly. foot elbow is a split squat is a rear foot elbow is a split squat. I mean, it, it, it's the same thing. You're, you're doing the same movements, but you're, I'm, the same, I'm the same way. Keep them all as athletes. I do. And well, so this uh, one particular client who he himself really was a, he was a football player. He was in uh, Iraq and he's now at a point where he's been very sedentary for a long time. And when I train this guy, even this morning on Zoom, He's got he when I say ready position, he's there. He's on the field and he's he's, he's got that thousand yard stare or whatever how many yards it is. And he, you know, he's he has <laughs> he's but he's he's really ready to go and he's he's dealing with injuries, he's dealing with some weight gain, but he is just so dedicated and and it it truly gives my gives me a thrill to have to be have the opportunity to spend an hour with this guy. So um, you know, so there's there's that. I'm talking to him as you know, someone who understands it, who completely gets it. And then I have an older lady who, um, she's a little older than me, and she wants to be a better golfer. It's completely different, you know, right. it, but she's an athlete. So, and she has some issues with her shoulders. So we're working on that. 
So to me, each one of those brings me a challenge. I'm constantly researching and learning more. Every single day that goes by, I, I have picked up something. And the science is, seems to change all the time, too. Yep. Yeah, that's what, that's what mo- so important about the continuing education for us, because it's if sometimes we have to do it on our own. Thank goodness the Internet has so many resources out there for us that we can get continuing education with. But sometimes you got to be careful what you read and what you do and what you implement with your people. And Absolutely. I'm a firm believer in before I do the implement it with my clients, I try it myself, you know, to make sure obviously that it's safe because that's important. Um, but yeah, I mean, re- resource, there's so many resources out there that we can get out there. And it's so important that um, even at you being in this industry for only, you know, for I say only you've been it longer than I have, but you know, there's <laughs> some out there that have been in it for 30 plus years. Right. And they know the game, you, the research and the science changes all the time. They have to stay on top of that. And they know that if they don't, then they're going to get left behind because so many new things are coming, coming in, especially I, in the sports industry. The sports performance industry is changing all the time. So we have to stay on top of that research. And for me, for the youth aspect of it is I feel like now these youth are able to really tolerate more than what we think. And they're, they're, they're so resilient. It's true. It's true. You know, and yep. we have a tendency sometimes as a strength coach, um, to think that's so fragile, but, but they're not, you no. know, and yes, I do count jumps. Yes. I do make sure that they have some off, you know, a deload week or something like that with my more higher level athletes or something like that. But, um, they're not fragile, you know, and back in the day, what did we used to hear? Don't lift heavy. You. Don't lift heavy. You're going to break your back. You're going to stunt your growth. Um, you're going to hurt the growth plates in their knees and their elbows. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's, that's, that's well, you know, one of the biggest important. problems right now, and you may not have encountered this because you're dealing with kids who are doing sports, but is that kids have become so sedentary because of um, the internet, because of, you know, gaming and stuff, that their bone, that kids are, are coming up with osteoporosis, mm-hmm. osteopenia and osteoporosis. Their bones are not strong. They have porous bones because they haven't been getting impact. So so yeah. that that leads me to then one of my quandaries is is... I mentioned earlier, fear is one of the, the, the biggest the biggest obstacles for me in communication with people, um, especially women who have gotten to a certain age where they're afraid to jump. And if they have been diagnosed with osteopenia, which children could be too now because they're not very active, as people become less active, they're doing less impact. And the less impact you have, the more susceptible you'll be to porous bones. So but then when you become a, a, a patient and you are diagnosed with osteoporosis or osteopenia, the doctor will say, don't jump, be careful, you might break a bone, but do resistance exercise. So they'll get a couple of you know, five pound dumbbells and do dumb bicep curls, which isn't gonna help their osteoporosis at all. They need to learn how to jump, but jump, it's not the up part of the jump, it's the landing. So understanding how to use your hips, how to use every There's part There's a big of- gap between us and then the physicians. And I'm obviously, you know, I'm not a physician, but there, there is a gap between what there they is. tell them and what we tell them. And they instill fear. And yes. that's, yeah, and, and, they, and it's and, tough. And I, I don't, I don't like that at all. And they don't just do it to the older population. They do it a lot to the youth as well. Um, you know, uh, for example, like scoliosis, like the majority of the population has scoliosis and the majority of the youth population does have it. And right. for you not to deadlift is quite frankly ridiculous for you not to. I mean, no, we're not going to three rep maximum or one rep maximum, 
but what are they going to do when they go out in their yard to help their mom or their dad or they go out and do something and they pick something off the ground? What are they doing? They're deadlifting. They're, deadlifting. they're exactly. picking it up. I mean, it's one of these things where um, I, I don't know how to close that gap. I, I wish there was more... Um, I, I don't think we can. I think we just have to accept the fact that especially, I mean, even for me as a patient, because I've been injured a lot of times and I also have over, you know, just in terms of youth, youth, youth injuries, um, a breaking down of cartilage and a lot of arthritic issues and um, not to mention traumas and crashes on my bike. And, you know, so um, I go to physical therapy and I know that you're a PTA. So, um, you know, the I, and I love the relationship I've had with a physical therapist that I've worked with. But when I've gone to an orthopedist, I only go because I want to see the x-ray and I want to get a a prescription for an MRI. And they very often don't want to let you get the MRI. I just want the report. I'm not going to do anything. I don't want a procedure. I just want the report. I want to see what's going on so I can understand it and, and, and then fix it myself. If I can avoid procedures, I hopefully will, but we'll see. So, um, so, but what happens is when I'm in the orthopedist's office, and this is their job, they're orthopedic surgeons, they see a person who has, you know, the breakdown of the cartilage, a lot of arthritis, they'll say, well, do you want a shot? Do you want PRP? Do you want lavage? Or, you know, you're definitely a candidate for hip replacement, but, you know, you'll know when you need it. So their job is to make me want to come back to them. That's what, that's what they do. That's their job. My job is to help people own their own human machine, to be able to take care of their own human machine. So people, they would, people would say it's kind of bad business because um, I have a therapist, a really close friend of mine, Dr. Steinberger, who talks about the less I see you, the better. He's a, I know that sounds bad, as a bad, like bad business, but the reality of it is I'm here to help you, and once you learn it, you do it on your own. You, well, you that's learn what to all move. the all the you physical know. therapists I've ever worked with. And I have good relationships with the various And I'm ones. glad in that area and you're you're getting that. I'm glad because yeah. there, it has been a huge issue. And I'm not in the outpatient world right now. Um, I worked in acute care and I worked in the skilled nursing facilities and things. But um, I do have really good friends who, who ran outpatient clinics. And they do tell me that, you know, it – it's starting to change slowly, but surely it's starting to change as to what they're starting to tell their people. And um, that, well, fear is one of them. They, they want to completely diminish that, that sense of I'm scared to lift or I'm scared to jump or I'm scared to run. You know? Oh, yes. I'm sure you've heard it so often, too. People have said to me when they see me training myself deadlifting or I'm introducing it to a you know, fragile-looking older lady. It's all about how do you, what are the mechanics of human movement? A deadlift, the deadlift and squat are two of the most important pieces of, 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 of understanding and knowledge about how we move our body around. And when they see me doing that, whether, and I love the, I love the trap bar for people who Same. may have, yep, so, um, but I've ha- I had a guy hanging on the squat rack recently, like kind of like this, and watching me do what I was doing to train for that competition. And he said, I don't do those. They're bad for my back. And I was like, dude, first of all, get out of my space. But also, <laughs> you know, like, what are you doing? Don't even talk to me. But um, I just thought, how, how can you say something like, you know I'm a trainer and I'm doing this because I know it's good. Like you're questioning everything about what I do right now. You're basically telling me it was very patriarchal, very condescending. Oh, here's another thought. I'm off on a tangent here, but this is interesting. Okay. Um, <laughs> so a lot of the time in the gym, and one, and I, I don't mean to ever speak unkindly of anyone who says whatever they say, except that guy, I didn't like him at all. But the, um, uh, the comment that I got recently from my, 
my OBGYN, who is still practicing and delivered my daughter's baby recently, he's not an athlete in the, t- the typical sense at all, but he wanders in and out of the gym. And he said, he saw me doing some of my heavy lifts and he said, be careful. You should be careful. You don't want to, you know, whatever he said. And I, I went away from that thinking, where do you go, you who has never lifted anything, get off telling me to be careful? It's, there's nothing about that that's legit. Right. As much as I like this guy, I really, really like him. He's a part of my world. He's a part of my daughter's world. But I wanted to go like, dude, you, you have no business telling me to be careful about something that you know nothing about. And I'm going circles around you. Like. I know what I'm doing here. You know, obviously, if I didn't, if I didn't feel comfortable doing it, I wouldn't do it. If right. I felt like there was some risk to there's there's some some female issues when you have a lot of babies. There's there's a a thing called a rectocele that some women can develop over time, which is pressure on your par- your your um your pelvic floor, and and it's something that can be a problem unless you understand how to take care of it as you're lifting. You know how to breathe, how to do um, a big um, I can't remember, with a V, a, um, the breathing, the holding the breath thing. It's Valsalva. It, I, Valsalva movement. Valsalva, the, Valsalva mm-hmm. maneuver, yes. So the um, so doing those those maneuvers and doing those things to support your, your trunk and do the lift. But for him to question me while I was doing it, your editor's probably going to want to edit all this stuff out of there. But the... No, you're you good. Know, that, but that's, that's, if you're... You know, wanting to talk about something that could be a problem for me, it could be that, that people will look at a female or an older female doing heavy lifting. It doesn't, it's not a problem for me as a trainer, but as a woman in the gym, there's, I think that it comes from certain men who are threatened by a woman who seems really, really strong and they need to say those kind of condescending things. So what, so what kind of advice would you give to a woman in your position regardless, because I know they all feel that way no matter the age. Sometimes they they get in that situation no matter the age because of being a woman in the gym. And be careful, don't do this, don't you don't want to hurt yourself. You can't lift that. You know, I I'm sure they hear it all the time. Okay. Yeah. What kind of advice would you give for somebody that just had kids or she's yeah. a woman, she wants to go back into the gym? I mean, besides getting somebody uh, that's going to help her, like a trainer. Get a trainer, or, absolutely. Right. Get a good trainer. Get someone you can relate to and somebody who's physically doing the things that you want to do. Exactly. And um, I, I have had several trainers over time. I mentioned the one fellow I was working with for a while. It was in the beginning of the CrossFit days, and he was just, we were hammering it together. And I did some things I shouldn't necessarily have done, overdid some stuff, and ended up being really injured badly, uh, falling. I told you, catching the the barbell and tearing my thumb off my hand. But the, um, one of the other trainers I picked was just because she was pretty, but she was so, she was just a nice looking person and she, but she didn't, she was not going to push me. So I would say if you're a female getting back to the gym, you need to be challenged. You need to find somebody who's not just going to be nice to you or somebody who's going to be dumb and, you know, push you to do things that might not be a great idea, but, but somebody who gets you and somebody who will take you out of your comfort zone and, and someone who takes themselves out of the, out of their own comfort zone. And it could be a male or female right now. My trainer is a young guy who's your age Mm. and, uh, but he could be any age and he totally gets me. He gets me better than I get myself. So, 
um, you know, finding the right trainer is really, really important and, and spring for the money, make that be, it's expensive. It is unfortunately expensive, but to hire a, a personal trainer and have that kind of relationship with someone that you trust who gets you, then kind of bubbles up to the top of your list of priorities financially. You figure out a way, whether it's half hour sessions twice a week, um, you know, just figure out a way to spend time with that person and learn what you can about how to move around in your world, how to lift things up. That's super important. As a mother, you're lifting your children all the time, lifting things around your house all the time. So many moms are injured and, you know, they, they, they tear ligaments and tendons and they, or they fall, you know, it's so understanding sometimes, how to, sometimes happening whenever it shouldn't have happened. Yeah. Like it's something so simple, like stepping, you know, down a curb and they twisted their knee or they tore a meniscus or, yep. you know, and it's like they broke their ankle because they stepped in a, a dip in their yard. And it's like, man, that shouldn't have happened. You know, I mean, those things, any, anyone can have those things happen. But right. my job, my job is, is, um, I talk a lot about weight shifting, about mm-hmm. hip hinge, hip hinging you mentioned earlier. So the hip hinge, um, turning on the big muscles. So you're prepared to do whatever you want to do and, and teaching everybody, but I have to say, especially women, um, how to generate power. I don't just mean emotional and mental power, but I mean physical, generating power, understanding that just running around doing spin class after spin class after spin class and sweating like crazy isn't necessarily the thing that's going to make you strong. That's going to burn up muscle maybe. Maybe it's not going to be the best thing you for you to lift. do. You need to lift. Yeah, simply, exactly. Simply, simply put, you need to lift. I you mean, do. You I really mean, do. Even the research will take you. The research will back it up. I mean, it's really as simple as that. You need you to do. weight train. And you do. Occasionally, it's okay if you have built progression with deadlifts and squats and unilateral activities. It's okay to lift submaximally weight. I mean, it's okay to lift a little heavy. I mean, it's it's yep. not it's not going to hurt you net per se. I mean, if you are no one that has doesn't have a background in lifting, you just go in and try to max. Yeah, you might hurt yourself. But you know, if you're working with the trainer and things and and getting out of your comfort. Speaking of getting out of your comfort zone, it's. Having that trainer is almost just for that. You are getting out of your comfort zone calling them, trying to set up an assessment or a consultation. is something that you've never done before. That's the first step. And then once you get in, you know, we're, our job, again, is to get you out of that comfort zone. And don't be afraid to, once you meet that progression, once we feel like you're ready, which, like you said, you got to know your body. We talked about mm-hmm. this yesterday, I think. We talked about knowing your body. So, you know, telling yourself when you shouldn't have done something, just like when you told me yesterday about that story. Um, and it's our job as coaches to, you know, maybe we need to pull back a little bit. You know, maybe Absolutely. you're right. Sometimes when I'm working with a kid and I'm lifting them, I want to add five pounds. First thing I'll ask them, or I want to add, you know, five, 10 pounds or something. First thing I'll say is, are you ready for it? And they go, oh man, I don't know. I'll take it off. I won't let them do it. I won't let them do it. You know, mentally they're not ready, you know? So, um, yeah, that that's that's cool. I mean, it's you're you're saying the same exact. It's the same conversation I have with every client. I'll go, okay, what do you think? We, can we add can we add ten pounds to this? If they're doing, it could be something as simple as like a leg press. But sometimes that adding ten pounds can feel like a hundred pounds. The difference between that and the next lift, it just isn't going to happen at all. Right. Or it could just feel like ten pounds. So, and and the person has to be ready to do it. They have to be willing. Yeah, they have to and be ready. ready to do it because then again, you don't want them to be um, 
unloaded improperly or, or, you know, or something like that. So that, that's or why even always, discouraged, even yeah. just being, being yeah. discouraged or being scared exactly. that they got themselves into a, a hole that they couldn't get out of. Mm-hmm. And, um, so all of the above, I mean, I, I, I have had some, not many, but a couple of clients whose doctors told them, I had one whose doctor told them not to plank. I was like, what, really? So, I mean, okay. And it went on for months and months and months. He had a shoulder thing, and and I've had shoulder things too. And you can't just completely ignore your anterior core. You right. got to do some pushing, and um, and he got really upset. And and he's not my client anymore, and so be it. But you know, and another a female who was lovely and doing really well. I felt like we could go through that door. It's like there are doors and windows that you go through with your mm-hmm. clients. And then mm-hmm. it's it's literally threshold threshold training. So you yep. go through the threshold. And this woman was there, and she didn't want to go through. And I, I, I felt as though I was encouraging her, but it must have been more than she needed. And she just said, I love you, but I just can't do this anymore. And right. I thought, oh, my God. And she just, yep. right down. And so I really, I kind of, I feel and very I think badly that's the about toughest that. part of our job too, because I'll have it as I'll even have it as a you, kids in here, teenagers in the, the youth sports performance world as well. Is I'll have the same thing. I thought I was encouraging them. I thought it, they were doing so great. What happened? Yeah. You know, and it's just, and the biggest one I get the most is, it made me feel like uh, the gym is supposed to relieve stress, but you make it seem, and maybe it was my fault. I Listen, I'm not afraid to tell you that if it was my fault, if it was something I did, then tell me. Hell, I don't, come on. I'm okay. I want to know. I want to know. I'm, I'm, I'm man enough to take it, okay? So um, a lot of people, you made me feel as if um, the gym was something I had to do rather than something that I wanted to do because it was supposed to be a stress reliever, but now it's adding stress on me. I get it. That makes perfect sense. I get it. If you're always rushing in or rushing out or who was that person? Was it a kid or was it an adult? I had them both say that before. I've had them both say that before. I mean, well, there's no question that exercise is stress, but it can be the best kind of stress. However, I will say that when I backing up to when I had a, uh, the cycling coach, I understand what overtraining is too. So there's, there's that. I, I was, as I said to you before, when I started to feel like I was really good at something, I did it, I do it more. And so I was training, instead of going on the coffee shop ride, which was part of my training schedule, my recovery day, I would go on a team ride with this bunch of guys and I was the only woman. And I remember the day that this happened. Remember, I had my computer on my bike, all the data is being recorded and I'm on this team ride. And I, I ended up after doing a bunch of climbs and hills and sprints and all the things that we did in the in the bunch of hot dogs that are shooting off the front and we have to catch them and and then um, at a certain point during this ride I kind of fell off the back and I ended up finishing the ride struggling and the guys later said what the hell happened to you and I sent the file to my trainer and I said I don't know what he said you would not have listened to me if I had told you that's what overtraining feels like you feel like shit. You don't want to. And I was starting to feel like I wasn't sleeping well. I was dreading going. I wasn't loving all those rides, but mm-hmm. I was making myself go and I was dreading it. I was I was filled with um, anxiety about going on rides. Yeah. And that's what I've heard before. before that's what well. overtrain. It can bite you in the ass. And but I think there's so many. I, I think there's some. But you were actually training for something. I think for some people, it's there's more factors outside of the gym that is contributing to that 
that anxiety or that that stress. You oh, see what well, I'm yeah. saying? There's I mean, all you kinds were legi- you were legitimately overtraining though, Polly. That was sports overtraining, but yeah. there are there are stressors that are hitting people. Children in school have yep. so much going on now, yeah. much more than mm-hmm. I ever had. Adults, you know, they have I was, stressors. I was excited for lunch every day and PE uh-huh. class. <laughs> <laughs> but there's everybody has stress of so many different kinds, and you have to figure out how to use physical activity to be a good kind of stress, mm-hmm. to be the stress that helps you deal with the other stressors. Right. So, and we have to think, and I wanted to talk about this with you a little bit, is how beneficial it is for the longevity of our life. You know, so how do we do this? And 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 I want you to kind of explain. I'm, I guess it's a question to you is. How do you, how would you explain to somebody you need to, that's not, that's living a sedentary lifestyle. How would you explain to somebody, hey, you need to, for the longevity of your life, you need to lift. Like you need to work out. You need to do some sort of functional activity. And you need to do that not just for a six week, not for a six week program or a boot camp. You need to do this for for a long time. I will talk about my, my own brother. I have, I have um, five siblings, and we're all really active. There's some triathletes among us. There's some competitive cyclists among us. There's you know, uh, one who is a, a nationally ranked gymnast, and he still walks on his hands. Uh, he's a year younger than me. So uh, we're all really active and pretty athletic. I never knew I was until I found out later in my life. But they, my younger siblings were active and did sports, except for one. He was a piston head. All he wanted to do was take care of cars, and he still loves taking care of cars. He smoked cigarettes. He had a Harley. He has a Corvette now, and he also has stage four bone cancer and a stomach tumor, and his wife is overweight, and in all the years they've been married, she recently did a CrossFit fit. She bought a package of like 12 sessions of CrossFit, and I I was like, blown away. Why would you, why would they even let you do CrossFit? You've never done any exercise. You've never been in a gym. Why would they bring you into that program? Because she has no clue. And I, for every Christmas and birthday, I give them free training sessions from me. They've never taken me up on them. So that's the question. That's my approach to them. Do they need exercise? Especially my brother with cancer. He is doing, he never did do exercise before. He's obviously doing nothing now because he's suffering, he's having a hard time, but even he needs exercise. Mm-hmm. The wife who did the CrossFit, um, and, and that was like two years ago, just had hip replacement. From what? I don't know. I mean, just decided her hip hurt, so she had hip replacement. So though the two of them, they are like a cross-section of the United States. And people who go to practitioners, people who are ill, people who need exercise as medicine, they need movement as medicine. I got to say, I have, I have broached the subject with them both. I've sent them articles. I try not to hammer them because I know it's just going to It's backfire. hard though, right? It's hard not to want to hammer It's going to backfire. But gently, consistently offering, making suggestions, how can I help you? What would you like me to do? At any time, you let me know if you have a need. I'll be there. They don't live far away from me. Um, and my my takeaway here is that you can't make somebody want something. You know, you really can't make anyone do anything either. Right. You can't make anybody do it. They need to come in already wanting it, already seeing that there's a need. And then our job is to 
sometimes in a really sneaky way, like come in the back door so that we're communicating with them and getting them to do things that they didn't even realize that they were doing. Exactly. Um, it's it's really challenging. That's probably the hardest thing as uh, being being a trainer, being a parent. Do you have kids? I don't. Nope. So, you know, being a parent is getting your kids to do things that they might have not thought would be something they'd want to do uh, or eat mama, something. Mama made me do it. <laughs> I, I made my kids do stuff too. I mean, they, they'll say, they have said to me now, like, I don't know how you got us to do that stuff. And it's all that same psychology that I've gotten my, my clients to do the stuff that they didn't expect to be able to do. I've had people cry at the end of a session out of pure joy, joy and astonishment yeah. that they were able to do what they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a good, I, I it's talk- a good feeling as a coach, but oh. the, and I guess some people need it. Some people need us. Some people need that push. Um, but so, some people think that it's not, it, it's impossible for them. But I, I think they need to understand is we're all capable of doing that. You see, at, at any age, prime example, you, Polly, at any age, if you want to power lift and compete, you're going to power lift and you can compete. If you want to yeah. cycle, you're going to cycle. I mean, at 54 years old, you got your trainer certification and you train people and now you love it. And, yeah. you know, and it's, it, it's great. It's like anybody can do that. You know, you don't have to be, you are special enough. Does that make sense? As corny as that sounds. Uh, yeah, everybody you, can. You, you know. can do this. And that is my, that has been my message all along. You can do this. You don't have to do what I do, right. but you can get yourself to a place where you're doing things you never thought you could. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to be big and spectacular or record breaking things, but something, you know, scare yourself a little bit every day. That's, you know, it doesn't That's, mean every single day, but just scare yourself a little bit. Open a book and read an article that you never thought you'd even be interested in. You know, read a news article and then dig deeper. Go down into that into the links that are in the article and learn about something you didn't learn about. And then you'll be able to talk about that at a cocktail party mm-hmm. whenever we're allowed to have cocktail parties again. I mean, to me, learning learning anything new is a little bit scary. That's mm-hmm. you know, it's going to put your brain in a place that oh my god and. You know, I never thought I'd be interested in the tech stuff that I've learned how to do. I people think I know stuff about making a website do work work the way I, I never knew. I didn't know how to set up Facebook pages or you know live broadcasts of things. But it's out there. I always figure if somebody knows how to do it, I'll figure out how to do it. Right. Maybe I won't, but I yeah. usually think I can. Yeah, you're talking about a whole different ball game now with technology and stuff. It took me forever to how to learn to get this podcast going on and you've got a great setup there look at that mic and hell hell, me and Polly had a hard time getting connected to (laughs) getting connected with the video chat together so um you know but we we did it but you know and it's 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 amazing to me um that we shared the same I guess perspective on training as far as lifting and we're all capable of doing this thing, your coaching style. And it's only like the second time we've really chatted back and forth besides just yeah. on Instagram. I um, could tell yesterday we were on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. This. So it, it's pretty cool because, you know, um, you'll get different coaches and different trainers and you'll have a lot of these Instagram trainers where, you, you know, they think that 
if you do this, you do that, you look like me, you know, and they're not worried about functional. I don't really even like saying functional training really, but uh, yeah, I know. You know I hesitate to use that term too, but, yeah, but it is, you, you know what I mean? And it's like, um, I do. you know, who do you trust? Who, what do you do? Um, and it's one of those things where our job is to hopefully be able to educate these people enough to w- what to stray away from and what to absorb. That's a really good point. When I think um, Instagram has, mm, I don't know, maybe it's getting people to become a little bit more active, if that's a good thing. But I think that it's also a false narrative and that um, people, women, probably more than men, but maybe men too, will look at these these gals with maybe photoshopped bodies. I don't know how their waists are so skinny and they have zero anything. Where are their internal organs in some of these pictures? I don't even know. <laughs> and they've got these gigantic butts and uh, so but it's all about or or they'll have a before and after picture and I'll like enlarge it on my phone and be like I can't even tell the difference between the full before and after you look the same in both of them <laughs> you look great in both of them why is there a before and after here so I I make it clear to every single person I train I'm not here to help you look good I'm really not that's an that's a that's a um a subset of what's going to happen when you get strong and you're using those muscles and nutrition is a humongous part of it we haven't even talked about that but that's a bigger component of wellness and and developing a body that functions the way it's supposed to function putting the fuel into it that you enjoy but that's just the fuel you need to do what you what you do it should taste delicious you should use you know all the resources that you have around you especially plant-based, which is something we're really into now, um, and believing that it's saving not just our bodies, but the planet. And um, But teaching people how to put the fuel in to use their bodies in a way that's going to make them as strong as they can be to do what they want to do. And then they'll look in the mirror and be like, wow, you yeah. know, Are I you look better. Are you predominantly plant-based diet? Is that what you're yes. doing right now? Yeah, okay. yeah. When did you start that? Just curious. <laughs> We saw Game Changers. Oh, I did. The movie. I saw Game Changers as well, and we changed it for like seven days, and then I was out of it. I had a oh, big really? fat steak, Polly. Oh, yeah, it. I don't have anything <laughs> against it, honestly. And and there, I I really did like eating meat occasionally. We love grilling. You know, for for Easter, I'd always do a big butterfly leg of lamb. Um, I did incredible uh, like pork tenderloins. I mean, I I served meat to my family over time. But I also have had a very fun time with Michael, whom you met yesterday bringing the beer in, um, learning ways to find uh, protein in source from sources that we didn't know about before. Right. So I yeah, really that was did, pretty cool. That, that, yeah. That's what I know. I, I've learned a lot, too. I was like, wow, I can eat this and get my protein. Or, wow, I, yeah. can eat, I'm, I was like, man, this is crazy. But see, I wasn't aware because I wasn't reading enough about it. Mm-hmm. So and, we learned a lot. And I'm not strict at all. I'm not vegan. We're not vegetarian. But we're eating um, proteins from seitan is fun. And there's so many ways you can prepare seitan. I love the Impossible Burger and the other the other one there. I don't want to na- name drop. But these guys are, you know, they're producing products that they are processed, but they're, they're protein-based process, uh, products. I love lentils and all kinds of beans, and we're creative with all the spices we use. I'm having a very hard time giving up cheese, and I love yogurt. Mm-hmm. So you know, so I'm, we're eating some dairy and some cheese, and um, but there's there's so much fun stuff out there to experiment with. Branch chain amino acids. I don't know. I mean, we need to get those into our bodies, and whether we're really able. I haven't done all the research to find out whether what we're eating is getting all the proteins in there that we need. Yeah, that can get into a complex conversation, too, and that can yeah. get into complex research as well. And, yeah. And as to who 
who do you follow, who you don't follow, what's right, what's correct. So that that's gonna be that's a tough one. It um, is. So I want to be smart about it, and I'm never gonna be um, like a, a religious fanatic about about my my choices. I just want my clients to know that they they need to just put in what is what their body needs and think be eat consciously be you know be intentional about what you do and i um, think you would like the episode when i did with dr kazaza we talked about for about an hour and a half um diet myths and and you need to oh, go yeah. back, you need to go back to season one and check that episode out we talked for about an hour and a half or he did um and he's huge on research and everything so he um he drops he dropped a lot of knowledge bombs on that one so it's pretty cool oh i'll listen to it yeah you got it's a good one it's a good one um Back to, I know we probably got a couple more months, a couple more months of this whole COVID-19 thing. Um, are you going to change anything in regards to your training style? Or are you still going to stick to Zoom? Um, once they start opening up a little bit in your area, are you going to go maybe to parks? Are you going to go to, Yeah. Um, w- what is your plan there? Do you have a plan as far as that I is wonder, concerned? I wonder, I mean, what do you think about um, uh sports that involve people crashing into each other on a, on a field. Um, you know, that's, I'm picturing, uh, any, any gathering of people like on a sporting field or, or the Tour de France, for example, we love watching the, the European classics, the bike races, you're bumping shoulders, your bike handlebars are hitting the bars of the person next to you. And everybody's expectorating, you know, they're, they're blowing nose snot rockets and they're, you know, (laughs) there's all sorts of stuff in the air all around you. So I I don't know what's going to become of those those event I love bike race I love riding in a group of people and um, you know so I don't I don't know that that kind of thing is going to be a viable thing to do anymore um, for a long long time uh, you know mar- marathon running which I personally am not a runner anymore but yeah it's going to be a while of, you know all the Ironman events and all that stuff we actually um, had one planned here at Roanoke we had an Ironman planned here for at Roanoke and they when they was had that to supposed it. to be yeah May I think May oh yeah yeah I mean they canceled it it's a shame we had people out here preparing for it and yeah and the, the powerlifting competitions are all being uh, postponed I mean, yeah you're not going to be able to do those things for a while which is unfortunate but um I mean, once they start opening it up, I mean, I'm hoping to go on more fields or if I can put one-on-ones in here in the gym. I mean, I mean, it just, it just depends, honestly, and I guess it depends what state. What state? I, I'm sorry. I never asked. What state are you in right now? I'm in, I'm in New Jersey. New Jersey. So okay. We're in the metropolitan area up here, New York, New Jersey, and um, we're, not too, we're in Asbury Park, so we're not too far. I mean, we can go to Philadelphia or go to New York. We're kind of like right in the middle. Okay. But um, the... Uh, the area that we live in, we're really lucky that it's not super congested, so we can still go out. Michael and I take like a four-mile walk almost every day, and um, it's very quiet. It's a beach town, but because it's you know what it is with the COVID nineteen, right. um, we don't have tourists right now. People are not driving as much; they're riding bikes one by one. So we still ride our bikes around a little bit. Um, not the same. I'm not riding my bike at all. As a matter of fact, my bike is in in the corner over here, and I get on a trainer upstairs on our third floor with a direct drive trainer and a, an app called full gas that it takes you to Australia or to the UK. So you're watching yourself, you're watching a road literally in front of you and the direct drive trainer puts the hill on your back wheel. So you're, you know, you're, so we're, we're riding indoors because riding outdoors, we run the risk of a speeding driver. He might be the only guy on the road who isn't paying attention. We end up hit by a, a driver 
and go to the hospital where people have to touch us, where we're right. exposed to, to, or the we get hit by a driver who doesn't stop because he doesn't want to come near us because he doesn't want to get infected. So in, on every level, riding my bike outdoors is dangerous always, mm. my road bike. You saw the pictures of me, I ride my bike to, to the gym. And um, it's like 12 miles up, 12 miles back. It's not even a long ride, but I'm always late. So I ride pretty fast and I'm in traffic down on a road bike. And um, at any time, I feel like I'm at risk being hit because drivers are not paying attention, even with all the lights all over my bike and my helmet, especially now, I don't want to take... And that's probably the biggest thing that's... If you're asking what's going to change about my own training for myself, I'm afraid to get on my bike now because Mm -hmm. people are afraid of me and I'm afraid of them and I'm afraid of the virus. Um, As far as going out into, you know, open spaces, I'm not really that concerned about that. Going into the gym when this is over and we're told that we can go back, I think the gym is going to be much more assiduous about keeping everything super clean. Mm -hmm. Um, They'll have to. And, um, you know, we'll all have to continue. I don't like using those paper wipes everywhere because we're messing up the planet with them. You know, if we can just continue washing our hands and using Purell products and stuff, you know, yep. liquid, liquid antibacterial, anti antiseptic products. Do you have? A, um, do you do any distance programming? Any remote training for anybody? Like, um, do you do that? Like, if you were to program for somebody here at Roanoke, would you be able to do that? Yeah, okay. sure. I mean, it depends what they're doing. I mean, I could set up a program for a person who's a, a cyclist for sure, okay. a rower, absolutely. If anyone has, if if you have um, people who are doing indoor rowing, that's, it's a terrific tool on every level. And I don't want to get into all of that, but it's, it's so simple and so amazing. The concept too, with the the monitor, there are ways to train every athlete on that rower. And I could incorporate that into training, um, you know, running, you know, training for any sport as well as lifting. I can do anywhere. I mean, I can set up, I don't, I, I need to look at the program that you said that you're using for your for your um, yeah yeah let me know if you, if you need any information on that just let me know um and i can email it to you or something like yeah, that email it to it, me i'd love to know it's awesome it's called train heroic it, train it's, heroic it's, it's awesome um, i heard you mention it in the last episode i, I oh made yeah a note anthony it. has it too anthony has it too the guy that i was interviewing has it as well okay um and the reason why i asked is because it's gonna be uh, as we wrap up here this episode um it's been a real big pleasure, you know, speaking with you in regards to what, what your thought process is on training and how you're going to handle COVID and um, the adversity you handled through the 12 years of your training and, and weightlifting and things. Um, how can people, as we wrap up here, how could people find you? Um, well, what is your, do you have Instagram? I know you have Instagram, your Facebook. Do you have a website, email? I if don't have a website, but questions. sure e- sure email. It's up. Uh, you you have it. Should I say it? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, if, you, uh, if, you, if you don't mind saying it on there, that's fine. No, I mean, no, you not at all. Share it on the links, but go ahead. Yeah, um, you can always message me at Get Up, Keep Moving, it's, and um, so if you were to at that, um, it, you know, search on the internet, my my Facebook pops up, my Instagram pops up. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, it's Polly P O L L I, and my last name is hard to pronounce and hard to spell, but it starts out with S C H. S-C-H-I-L-D-G-E. And um, so you can read about me. Uh, I do pop up pretty fast on an internet search. And um, 
So yeah, uh, I'd be happy to have anyone who's interested reach out. Uh, there's one thing I did not mention is that I founded a Parkinson's cycling training program. Oh, wow. This might be something you'd be interested in looking up yourself. It's one of those things, and this is kind of like the exclamation point, I guess, at the end of our conversation. I got this certification after I said I research things all the time. As a cyclist, I happened upon an, um, a video taken in the Netherlands in two parts. And it's a, a video of a man who's shuffling, if you're familiar with, mm-hmm. with the freezing yep. gait with Parkinson's symptoms. Yep. Um, he falls down. The, 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 the people in the, in the um, clinic help him back up. And they are walking him out the door in this video. And, and as I'm watching it, I'm like riveted because, my God, where are you taking this guy? They put him on a bike outside of this building. Now, in the Netherlands, everybody's been riding bikes all their whole lives, right? So they put him on a bike, he gets on the bike, and he takes off in a parking lot. And I thought, this is not going to end well. You know, there are cars all around. He circles around, and the next video, he comes back, and he hops off the bike like he's 16 years old, and he strides into the building like nothing. So I started digging. This was it blew my mind. I started digging. Dr. Jay Alberts of the Cleveland Clinic is a, um, he's a, he's a researcher, um, a neurological researcher. And he, this is a completely different person. He went on a, a ride that's a multi, multi-day ride across the state of Iowa. It's called Ragbri. He went across Rag, the, uh, the state of Iowa with a friend on a tandem bike. His friend had Parkinson's and Every stop that they took, now this Dr. J. Alberts, this is only, we're going back less than 10 years ago, uh, maybe, maybe a little more than 10 years ago. He, he's at every one of the stops where they're going into to go, they have to sign in to go to set up their tent and camp. His friend was able to write her name more clearly. She was able to walk more, more steadily. And he was amazed that he was forcing the effort on the front of the, the tandem bike and she was pedaling at the same cadence as he was, 92 RPMs or whatever. She was responding to this high cadence forced effort cycling in a way that he found profoundly effective and interesting. So he went back to the Cleveland Clinic and began researching the, the effects of the neurons in the brain and the messaging through the body of high cadence forced effort cycling on park, for Parkinson's patients. And I'll leave you with that if you are curious I can send you some links, but you could, if you just type in to your search bar, Parkinson cycling therapy. First, you're going to find. There's a Parkinson's organization here. It's called Big and Loud here in Roanoke for Parkinson's patients. So actually, that would be awesome to have because we can drop that into the oh yeah, I mean or something like that. Michael J. Fox Foundation uses cycling. Uh, The uh, Davis Finney Foundation uses cycling. There's also Rocksteady. There's it's boxing for cycling. There's dance for cycling. I mean for or Parkinson's rather. Um, but those, those programs involve the, the individual standing on their feet, right? Cycling, you're not on your feet, you're on a bike. And if you're on a stationary bike, which is where my, my clients are at the Why I Do This program, they're all on spin bikes. And these are people who are not, they're, one guy's 87, one guy's 82, a woman is 78, one guy's in his 60s. They're all different. Parkinson's is a boutique disease, which affects people, meaning it affects everyone differently. But cycling has enabled them all to see mitigation of their symptoms, the shuffling, speech, ability to write, small motor. It's truly, it's one of those things that seems too good to be true, but it is really true. And yeah, so check it out. Cycling oh, therapy well, for Parkins. You'll you'll be amazed. Absolutely. So that's something that's been very rewarding for me too. You need to put that link on your Instagram page. 
I don't know if you know how to do that or not, but you need to put that link on your um, Instagram Instagram okay. page so people can look that up. That's awesome. The cycling, yeah. yeah. Um, well, Polly, it's been awesome chatting with you. Um, Great to talk to you too. Yes, we do have a lot I, of a lot of the same philosophies. We do, we do, and I'm sure I'd be able to bring you back on the on the show. Uh, to talk about some more stuff because I wanted to talk a little bit about your powerlifting uh, sure. meet and how you uh, prepared for that. We'll, we'll chat about that probably on the next episode or something. Um, okay. But uh, share that Instagram tag with everybody again. So it's at get up, keep moving. Correct. Okay. And that's, that's your Instagram. And she shows a lot of different um, household materials or things that you can use at your house to continue your, your, your fitness at home. Um, so she posts a lot of videos with that. So I think that'll be great for people to look on there. Great. Thank you. All right. Great. Well, it's been awesome having you. And, uh, nice to meet you. It's great to meet you. I have a little window on Lori's life. I haven't seen her in such a long time. So it's pleasure, pleasure meeting you. Absolutely. And, uh, look forward to talking to you again and I'll listen to those other episodes. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. It was good talking to you, Polly. Thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you next time.